Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. I'm Gilbert Garcia, opinion writer and columnist, and I'm joined by Carrie Clack, columnist editorial board. Nancy Pereira Johnson, deputy editorial board editor. Metro editor Greg Jefferson. And we're going to start out talking about city council. Um, last uh, week, uh, after three council members uh, had been censured over a period of 15 months, city council adopted a code of conduct. It's the first time they've ever done this. So no more bad behavior. That's right. They, things are going to be smooth. We are, we are, we are now done. On. Yeah. No more W. That's no right. cases. So uh, <laughs> I think we're done now. I think, I think, I think we've kind of, yeah, everything is, can, everything is looking good. Check that off the list. We're good. <laughs> That's all we ever needed. I mean, really, we ne- we'd, and uh, we probably never had any corruption or anything. Um, so Greg, what is in this code of conduct and why? <laughs> and and I, I think it's because of what happened There's, with the, the previous censures that they decided. There is. Yeah. So, I mean, let's start with kind of the reason uh, and council and Mayor Ron Nuremberg won't really say that this is a reason, but this is more or less the reason that you in the space of 15 months. Yeah. You had uh, three council members censured in various ways by the city council. Uh, and there were there were really no guidelines. A lot of it, each one was an ad hoc decision by council to do something to, you know, address what they viewed as reprehensible behavior. Mm-hmm. So we had, you know, in in Councilman Mario Bravo's case, this was, you know, a verbal attack on a colleague and then uh, two drunken driving charges uh, against sitting council members uh from the same district, actually, uh, Clayton Perry and, and Mark White. So that's kind of that's kind of the the backdrop of what happened last week, which was the adoption of a code of conduct that included didn't it didn't say, hey, by the way, don't drink and drive. <laughs> that, that was, yeah, that wasn't actually part of the conduct that uh, was kind of uh, illegalized. But uh, you cannot have intimate relationships with your uh, with your staff. That's that's one of them. Okay, I, this I, being I was, a sexual relationship. I, I, I want to break these down one by one. Right, because right, yeah, yeah. this one was interesting to me. And, and, and correct me if I'm misinterpreting <laughs> this. But I think what they're saying is you can't have intimate relations with a staff right. member. Uh, unless it happened before. It started before you were, right. you were on council or before they were on staff. Yeah. So in other words... Um, so it's okay if you 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 already have a relationship going with somebody and you decide right I'm going to point them yeah to a staff member that's right that's, that's okay. right and and mm-hmm. you also you also have to tell the city attorney and city manager although it wasn't clear to me if it's if you have to tell them both or just just one of them um, hmm. presumably Eric Walsh the city manager would tell the city attorney and vice versa. Um, but yeah, so that's, that was one of the rules. Uh, and then it got weirdly specific in a couple of cases. Yeah. Uh, you can't, uh, call up a third party during an executive session. These are always behind closed doors where they, you know, city council discusses sensitive legal, um, you know, legal issues, yeah. economic development projects in the works, things like that. Don't get you, advice from lobbyists. At, right. At, yeah. Yeah. You can't call up your favorite lobbyists <laughs> during the meeting and share what you've just been told or, it, or anybody else. Any has, third party. Is, is it your sense uh, from covering council over the years that this is actually an issue? Yeah, yeah, there's a problem. There's this. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's there's this famous story. Uh, the council member is still alive, so I won't <laughs> won't go into it. 
But, uh, but she, the initials are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like 15 years ago uh, in an executive uh, council meeting. She turned on her phone, put it put it down on the table so her favorite developer could. I think I could know. Listen. Yeah, is. I think. Uh, yeah, like any. Uh, 15 th- years ago. She, well, it was yeah. actually longer, longer. <laughs> but yeah. And he was the, the person on the other end was very upset because she hadn't charged her phone sufficiently and it died right in the middle of the <laughs> So anyway, um, so there was that. And then a related one that says you, you know, in emails regarding city business, you can't blind copy a third party. And that is you can't send out an email uh, with a recipient that's unknown to the receivers of the email. And mm-hmm. it's like in, in cases like that, it just makes you wonder who's doing this right now, because these seem very, <laughs> yeah. these are so specific. So yeah. So specific. And I know they're, you know, these are, these, these matters are kind of problems over time, but like who's doing it now. And by the way, who's sleeping with their chief of staff. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also uh, something about no profanity, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting because I mean, I'd have to go back, but I, I, I mean, I think that there, and this includes social media and we've yeah. had some, Council members, I think particularly the younger ones, I think it's fair to say. Particularly Jalen McKee Rodriguez. Okay. Like yeah. his, yeah, yeah. I think even during the council meeting, he said, yeah, I'm not going to stop. I think he right. called them spicy tweets. He's yeah. not going to yeah. stop. He that, gets spicy right. tweets. Think, but he, <laughs> he gets kind of salty, but, but I, yeah. I don't know about I, profanity. I'm not really not sure. Uh, yeah, I've not, I've not, I've, you know, with, with uh, McKee Rodriguez, I, I, don't think I can't think of anything he's tweeted that would run afoul of that. But it wasn't just profanity. It's also wasn't it like disrespectful or something? Right, right. Yeah. It's very gray in some of those areas. Well it is very gray. So like so if you know, I mean Look, we've got we've got a lot of politicians at pretty high levels, you know, dropping f bombs in public right. and stuff like that. So yeah. I mean, I I don't know how, Decorum, how strict. Yeah, you know, yeah I mean, if you're you, making a speech it, somewhere, that's and you right. just how 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 far can you go in policing decorum? Yeah, if it falls short of uh, you know disrespecting or threatening a council member or somebody you know a member of the public city staff I, it, that's unclear we don't know and and the the code of conduct doesn't give you any guidance Mm-mm. and i think that that's i mean i like personally i like that there's a code of conduct because mm-hmm. it actually gives them and i think one of the council members actually said this in the in the article that you all wrote mm-hmm. on the news side is that it gives them a um a gauge i think it's adriana rocha um, who said it, it? Yeah, Adriana Rocha Garcia, who said it. It gives them a gauge and tells them clearly what is re- what is off limits, what right. they can and can't do, kind of thing, and gives them guardrails basically, which I think is great. But it uh, does have a lot of gray language in there as well. Um, it doesn't touch the DWI right, stuff, right, right, right? Or it doesn't even mm-hmm. imply any of that, which is one of the biggest problems there. Right. Um, and I mean, I think like, for instance, I think it was Thursday or Friday and Jalen McKee, he did not put this tweet together, but he retweeted someone and it was, um, Manny's face on a milk carton and like, basically, where is he? <laughs> and then he just said, I don't know if he put LMAO or whatever and just, you know, laughed at it. So would that be, I mean, is that, would that fall in there? Would it be disrespectful or, you know, it's. Well, it's, we'll see if, yeah. if Manny Polias presses the case for a century. Right. Well, and, and that gets, it's silly yeah. though. It's like a tip for tat kind of well, thing. Well, that gets to how this is going to be implemented. I would because, think it wouldn't be. But. Because council member, a council member will have to, to file a complaint mm-hmm. and they, this is submitted to the city manager and city attorney, right? Right. And so yeah, then they yeah, have to correct. decide if it's serious. And in fact, uh, uh, Terry Castillo and, and Jalen McKee Rodriguez, yeah, they were concerned that uh, the code of conduct could be 
wielded as a weapon. I mean, yeah. you know, if if you have, you know, somebody you consider an enemy on council, go after him through this process. This is, and this is a great point because I was I found myself thinking uh, when, when thinking about this issue about a case like 2019 with Greg Broadhouse. Mm-hmm. He's running for mayor. He's a city council member. Right. Uh, one of our colleagues at the time, Brian Chasnoff, wrote a story about uh, uh, a domestic violence incident. Uh, it was a case that had been expunged. Mm-hmm. But um, how would that fall? <laughs> Greg Brockhouse had, I think it's fair to say, had some enemies on the city council mm-hmm. at the time. He's running for mayor. Including one of them was the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, primary right. one was the mayor. And he's got this controversy about this. It's it's still right. kind of an unresolved issue. I mean, he's kind of suggesting at the time uh-huh. that this maybe isn't even, this isn't really even a, a, a real, a valid right, document right, right. or a legitimate Thanks. document. That's Later right. after after the election, he admits that this, this incident happened. Uh-huh. Um, so... It could it would have been possible in that situation for the so somebody on the council to say I don't like this guy this we got this story that's mm-hmm. kind of troubling but we don't really know what to make of it mm-hmm. I'm going to file something possible yeah yeah wait mm-hmm. even though yeah. it was older even if it was pre city actually as I think the through the I'm I'm not sure about that yeah. I'm not, as I think yeah. through the provisions of the code of conduct I'm not sure it's that about that's your conduct on council yeah. 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 it is it is it is exactly. interesting funny that 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 you have I, mean, I think for the most part it's always good to codify. Uh, <laughs> to calm and mm-hmm. make, find some way to enforce things. But it's kind of funny that you do have to put down in writing that you cannot sleep with us. It's like Seinfeld when George Costanza <laughs> was having an affair with the, with, with the cleaning lady. Right, Is that right, wrong? Right. <laughs> Is that wrong? I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> Where's where, 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 the law? Um, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I too think it's... Uh, it's a good idea. Uh, the, I think having a code of conduct is, um, you know, is it is it truly going to end bad behavior <laughs> among council members? No. But in, you know, we're in an, in an era where, um, yeah, just like um, there's there's very little sense of decorum in our politics. It's That's getting true. it's getting yeah. more brutish. It's getting yeah. more, you know, just more um, aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, th- there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, kind of kind of staking out this turf and saying, OK, look, we're not going to do this as a council. This is like these are the things we consider uh, beyond the pale and they're not allowable. However, um, you know, at the end of it, the the remedies for these, like if you run afoul of the code of conduct, it's the same old remedy, which is nothing really. It's yeah, like, just, you're, yeah, it's the same, you know, mm-hmm. you can. We, we disapproved. That's right. Yeah. I yeah. Thought, like I there's thought, no. I thought the story, uh, Megan, Megan Rodriguez's story on it was excellent in the way that she just explained mm-hmm. that. Well, and what does, how, uh, what, how, it was one line in particular about, uh, but basically just talking about how it's, it's so subjective. Yeah, and then the answers from from the city attorney and it's everyone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no one really knew. We just have to wait until it happens. And right, right, right. I think I might have missed this, but who actually who wrote them? Who decided who was in there? Oh, you know, like what was, it was in there exactly? It was versus- staff written, but Adriana uh, Rocha Garcia. She's been she's been mm-hmm. calling for this. I think she probably had a lot of input. input. Oh, okay. But yeah, this was drafted by staff, as far as I know. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's worth pointing out, I, I don't think this was much of an issue during the council debate last week. But there is, you know, you're also, uh, you know, you have to take into consideration that this, this is a 
council manager form of government where the city manager is, is effectively the CEO. They, mm-hmm. you know, the person over that person oversees the operations of the city. City council, their responsibility is to hire and fire the city manager and to set policy. There's, so there's a real division here. Mm-hmm. And uh, this enforcing this code of conduct means handing a lot of power to the city manager True. and the city attorney under him. Uh, but that didn't seem to be much of an issue. Uh, it would have been for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, because yeah. I'm a big believer in the separation of powers. Um, yeah. and this does give, at least within, you know, within this process, a lot of power to Eric Walsh and Andy Segovia, the city attorney. The, uh, you know, I mean, the, it will be tricky implementing it. And as, as we've said, it's very subjective. I, I can see the benefit in saying we are just going to place some parameters, uh, around what we think is acceptable and what is not acceptable and and maybe just getting people in the council to think a little bit about that because maybe as you said we're in this climate now where where people maybe don't think too mm-hmm. much about uh about civility in mm-hmm. politics um but it was interesting that you not only had terry castillo and jaylen mckee on the council but also former council member mario bravo who was yeah. who was yeah. subjected to this um you know 14, 15 months ago, um, and he came and and spoke to the council. And I think I think what he expressed was probably similar to what the two uh, the two objecting council members expressed, which was leave it up to the voters. You know, right. they, 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 we don't right. want the council to be the judge and jury on this. Uh-huh. Voters get they every two years they get to decide mm-hmm. if something bothers them or not. And I think it was also a due process issue because mm. uh, I think under this they will get to make a statement. I don't think he, I don't even remember him getting to a chance to speak I don't at all. Believe, no, he didn't. And that was one of his, uh, which I think was probably wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I think he was clearly, he, that still stung yeah. for him. I mean, you know, he, he broached that Thursday when he addressed, uh, council. Yeah. He didn't have a, a chance to address council or the public. And he feels like, um, you know, with Clayton Perry and, and, Mark White, they were given at least a chance to address council maybe after after the vote was taken. And he, uh, you know, he said, I, I think his point was clearly there's no, you know, it's kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. There, there there, were no standards. He he felt probably like he should have been given a chance to at least air his yeah. his side of the story. He wasn't, you know, that didn't happen. And, you know, he, he thought it was unfair and that's what he wanted to address. So under this new code of conduct, the, the, the person who's subjected to the complaint will not be able to get in, it, be part of the debate, but can make or, a statement. Yeah. Yeah. Afterwards. And there, yeah, obviously yeah. they can't, you know, they have to recuse themselves from, uh, from the vote. Yeah. Right. Wanted to move on to the issue of how Texas uh, handles its primary system. Um, Texas is one of 16 states that has what's called an open primary, meaning that people, if you're an eligible voter, you can vote in the Republican or Democratic primary. You know, you can from uh, from one election cycle to another, you can switch. Um, and people, because we don't have uh, people who <laughs> register to vote, don't register as Republicans or Democrats. And um, the issue of open the open primary system, I think, is beginning more uh, attention this year, uh, particularly because on the Republican side, uh, in the presidential race, you've got Nikki Haley, who is uh, she did well with Democrats and independents who crossed over um, in New Hampshire, uh, didn't do as well among Republican voters there. And so, you know, the, the supporters of Donald Trump felt like this was kind of, uh, you know, this was tampering with the process. The Republicans are, are uh, might, might want a certain candidate and non-Republicans are, are, are sort of affecting the results. 
in Texas, uh, this has come up in Texas before, but it's, we had, uh, this past week, um, the Republican party chair, uh, in Texas, Matt Rinaldi saying, you know, we need, we need a closed primary system. Um, and Republicans are, I think are seriously considering this. We also had a, a kind of a, it, it all came up in a weird context, which was that we had last Tuesday, we had a special election, uh, a, a Texas house race uh, in North Texas. And you had, uh, Jill Dutton, who was, who was kind of aligned with, um, the uh, Speaker of the House in the, in the Texas House, uh, Dade Phelan. And she was running against Brent Money, who's was supported by uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton, by Ted Cruz, by Governor Greg Abbott. And he got money from Defend Texas Liberty, an ultra right wing mm-hmm. pack. And uh, she ended up beating him. Uh, Jill Dutton won that, that race. And you had people uh, who were supporters of money complaining. Uh, Ken Paxton actually said this, that Democrats, quote, voted to steal this election for Jill Dutton. Now, this, this was this was a special election. Love that language. And, and, I, and I think yeah. I'd like to think our state attorney general understands uh, how elections work. Yeah. I know. Well, it's you know, I'm just I'm just in a good Very mood today. Of so. you. Um, I'm <laughs> positive reinforcement. That's what I'm trying. But um, very ma- ma- manipulative. But in case he, d- but but in case he doesn't, and I know he listens to our podcast. Um, I want to I want to make it clear that in a special election, anybody can vote. This is this was not a Republican yeah. primary. Um, uh, so anybody is you had two Republican candidates. So he probably thought Democrats stay out. Right. You have no right to vote in this. Okay. But. Anybody is allowed to vote right. in, in a, and, and people uh, in San Antonio will remember years ago when we had a special election for the uh, the Texas Senate and you had Jose Menendez running against Trey Martinez Fisher. Trey Martinez Fisher, I think, probably had more support among hardcore uh, members of the Democratic base. But Jose Menendez had bipartisan appeal. You had some Republicans voting for him. Were they, you know, were they trying to 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 tamper with the, the I, I don't know, but they had the right to vote. It, right. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a special election. So that was kind of ridiculous. But putting that aside, the question of open primaries versus closed primaries. What do you all think? I mean, given how um, how tribal the the Texas GOP has become. It's it's actually surprising to me that they still True. have an open primary. That, that it's only now that they're talking about a closed primary, keeping mm-hmm. keeping the outsiders out yeah. and keeping, you know, the party faithful in and you know not bothered by uh, you know somebody else's consensus. And how much do we think it, it varies from state to state and 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 primary election to primary election? But um, how how much do we think this is an issue with people? crossing over uh, to vote in other elections, uh, you know, in, in primaries that, uh, for, for parties that they don't belong to. I'm, I'm sure in, in, in specific elections in whatever state that it, it can be an issue. Um, you mentioned the example of New Hampshire in the presidential primary, but, you know, I, I can't think of a of a presidential primary on either party, which was decided by the, the votes yeah. from the other party. Yeah. Uh, usually what happens in, in like in this year, in election year, uh, well, maybe even, yeah, it's in the, in the, in the primaries, it's that, you know, it, it is because it's the state legislative race, the state rep, reps race that someone will cross over because they, uh, you know, they, you know, they, they don't want the, they want to support, uh, usually to go against an, an incumbent, a strong incumbent from the other party, <laughs> but for the most part, I don't see what I like the idea of an open primary. It, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, voting is not stealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still, you can steal yeah. votes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that's that's another thing. That's what this isn't coming from a good place. It's not coming from a from mm -hmm. an idea of we're concerned about integrity of 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 our elections. It's it's coming from the same folks who are doing their best to suppress votes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a temper tantrum. I mean yeah. they're doing this it's taller true. tantrum yeah. thing. They don't like they don't want anything to threaten them. It's ridiculous. Well, you know, and you know, they just need to deal with it. Um it needs to be open. Um and you know the the thing is is that people don't vote. In the first place. I mean, especially in San Antonio, That's probably our biggest problem, they right? don't yeah. vote. That yeah. is, I mean, they're registered to vote. They don't vote. And mm -hmm. especially in the primaries. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd be shocked to see if, if locally, if that would make any kind of difference because it's the same people voting in the primary every time. And one of the yeah. things that I found like growing up in the Valley, um, which, you know, were all the, most of the local offices were, were held by Democrats, mm -hmm. but you had, you know, a fair number of conservative voters. There were, there were cases where I, I, that I'm aware of where Republican people who were consider themselves Republicans would vote in Democratic primaries mm -hmm. because they liked the local candidates or they had a preference exactly. for a certain local candidate. Right. Uh, maybe they liked the moderate Democrat versus the uh, more progressive challenger, yeah. those right. kinds of things. It wasn't like, yeah. I'm trying to blow up things on the other side. I, it's more just like, right. I, well, take that. I, I, wanna, I mean, that's a very good point. Yes. You know, take that idea and, and expand it statewide. I mean, sure. Texas mm -hmm. has been a one-party state for more than a quarter of a century. Mm -hmm. Democrats haven't won a statewide seat in forever. So, that's right. The Republican primaries for statewide offices—that's where the real election is. I mean, that's that's been our history for yeah. a quarter of a century. So, if you you know, if you have strong feelings about who should be the next governor, I mean, typically you're going to you're going to look to the Republican primary. Yeah. If you live in District 23, which used to be a swing district, but I think we'd all agree is pretty much a pretty solid Republican district at this point. You might want to weigh in and vote there. You know, where you got an incumbent Tony Gonzalez there. You might want to. I mean, there are different reasons people have. I mean, the, the most obvious case that I can think of where somebody was just trying to create mischief, uh, which is what the, I think some of these Republicans uh uh, like Matt Rinaldi seemed to be concerned about was in 2008 where you had uh, right wing radio host Rush Limbaugh looking at the fact that Barack Obama yeah. seemed to be kind of running away with the Democratic uh, primary campaign mm -hmm. and Texas was coming up and he was encouraging Republicans to vote for Hillary Clinton in the Democratic primary to slow Obama down because he thought as long as you've got these two people fighting it out, yeah. it's Democrats aren't going to be united. This is going to help us. So you're helping our side by voting for Hillary Clinton. And as I remember, she did win. It was it was a weird it thing was, because we had the, we had that, the, that, the, the, the Texas two-step. Two-step, yeah. and I still get confused about who won what. I think she won the popular <laughs> vote, but he ended up with more delegates. Yeah, but yeah, that, but yeah. the perception was that she was the winner of, of and, that. And, but to Greg's point also, I mean, you, you think of the history of yeah, the last... 30, 40 years, it's basically, it's been a yeah. one party. But before that, it was the other party. It was, it was the Democratic Party, which is why you, you go back to the white primary, the Democratic primary, it was so important for, for, for black voters to get the right to be able to vote in the Democratic primary because that would, would decide ultimately who was going to be elected governor, who was yeah. going to be elected senator. That's, that's and I have seen some organizing with teachers. I there are like certain Facebook groups and to vote in the Republican primary groups. Yes, and you know because they're very unhappy with Abbott mm -hmm. and um, just you know the assaults happening on on Texas educators and um, and that party. And so I have seen actual Facebook groups when I was a teacher, and I'd get these invites to these groups, and yeah. they would say like you know 
vote for his opponent, like make sure, you know. Um, and I think that they're still around. And so that was a very, that's the only time I've ever witnessed a concerted effort to try to engage and encourage people to vote like that. One, one, uh, the last note I went to, to make about this was looking at this historically, and, and this is something I've, I've you know, kind of looked into over the years, the 1976 Texas primary, which was, you know, a, a big one. And it, it was really kind of a, uh, it had a lot to do with changing Texas politics and it had a lot to do with the change the, the future of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. You had Ronald Reagan challenging Gerald Ford, uh, the incumbent, and Reagan won. I, I'm not saying he wouldn't have won the primary without this, but the margin wouldn't have been what it was without uh, conservative Democrats, George Wallace Democrats mm-hmm. voting for him. And he, he sought out their support. And the funny thing about both the Texas primary and the other open primaries during that cycle was that if Republicans now probably looking back at that race between Ford and Reagan would probably say, well, you know, Reagan was the true Republican. He was he was the conservative Republican. Ford was kind of a rhino. I mean, that would be the perception, Mm -hmm. I think. But during that campaign, Ford did really well in the closed primaries where only Republicans could vote. Those were the ones he won. And every time they came up to an open primary, that's where he was in trouble because conservative Democrats would cross over and vote for Reagan. So conservative Democrats saved Reagan and probably uh, enabled him to be able to build on that and run in 1980. And and it changed everything. And in today's Republican Party, especially in Texas, Reagan would be a rhino. (laughs) (laughs) Reagan is too liberal. I've thought about that many times. That is completely changed. Oh, on that note, we're going to wrap things up. I hope everyone's doing well. We're going to be back again soon and uh, take care.